0: For me, it's all about dehumanizing technology, is that through these new technologies, we can now give control back to people in their environment and really create an interface to the building and, and the different building technology systems for them to also react based on people's feelings and perceptions.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind, Machines and the Gradient Descent.
2: Thanks to each and every single one of you that you tuned in to listen and to learn. We are Uli and Avery, and our today's genius mind is Franziska Dolak from Smart Infrastructure in Zug, Switzerland. She's a human-centered, inspiring and passionate woman who never gives up creating new opportunities. But enough of an introduction. Let's dive right into it. Grüezi wohl, Franziska. Thanks for joining us today. We are very, very grateful to have you here. Can you maybe describe yourself in a couple of minutes? Who are you and how did you actually end up at Siemens?
0: Hi, thank you so much. Grüezi, servus, <laughs> everything, <laughs> very international today. Um, no, thank you for the, for the kind words of introduction. Yeah, so my name is Francisca, and I'm head of digital applications and services as part of our smart infrastructure organization. Meaning me and my team together, we are driving to really push digital HVAC service and into a new dimension with that really exploring various innovation fields and, and looking into how can we create value out of data. And... So I think it's, you know, it's a fantastic playing field, right? Because I really consider everything around IoT, artificial intelligence. I consider it a design language that really allows us to create new, outstanding experiences for people. And exactly this point of, of humanizing technology is also what brought me to Siemens, I think, roughly now six or seven years ago and and the story was that during my studies in switzerland um i was i was diving into this design thinking it was for me really combining many of the things that i'd always loved before in terms of creating the new and really creating something meaningful for someone and and solving relevant problems and at that, we got the opportunity to travel to Stanford University to really introduce the projects we we're working on with corporate partners. And there I met my fantastic colleague Bettina, Bettina Meisch. And, you know, we got talking and she was then the reason in the end to actually also bring me to Siemens to, to start building up really this competence around human centric innovation for the Siemens organization
1: but it's you just kick-started your new role right and so i guess you know the usual process would be you know welcome cheering everybody you know maybe in i don't know a little town hall or a team session right is that how, how is the onboarding different or is that you know hey we we are you know a digital company anyway right we do that all wire teams or why digital toolings
0: yeah i mean that, that's definitely different i think i'm in a bit of a lucky situation that i knew my team beforehand you know um just the all the all the the people, and that helps at least. And maybe in a rush of foresight, um, we had kind of our first team workshop end of February before before the whole COVID really started uh, taking up uh, speed in in Europe. And yes, it makes it more difficult because you know I, I like to look people in the eyes and kind of see you know where is it they're standing? Do they really agree with something, or is it just you know just <laughs> saying something you know to to move on with the topic? And I think, yeah, that, that makes it a bit more difficult. But like I said, it's a bit of a lucky situation that I knew the team already in parts. And I think also with the digital and virtual tools, we have quite a few ways now to stay in contact. And I'm just quite happy also seeing over the last couple of weeks, you know, that we're developing a certain kind of humor when people seem to be really bought in and, and also ready to to support and drive things forward and wanting to kind of co-create together. Um, while at the same time, right, the other part of onboarding is also, you know, for me to to really now understand uh, the domain, the market, uh, the technology stack behind it, everything. I think that's a lot more difficult, to
2: be honest. Yeah, as you say, there are very difficult times right now, but do you see also opportunities or like positive impacts on innovation and the digital transformation in your field right now?
0: So I think when we look towards really virtual team collaboration I think there has been huge advancements. Uh, it feels like things are possible now that you know we we used to talk about for for months and years possibly even. In terms of our business I think yes definitely because I mean with the smart infrastructure business right it's all about uh, creating environments that care and for myself specifically I'm um, in the smart smart building domain. And, you know, there we've we've always had or we always saw an area of opportunity when it came to kind of remote monitoring, access and control of equipment and remote servicing. But also, you know, topics like um, in supermarkets nowadays, right, people counting and stuff. Right. And uh, I see it in the supermarkets here a lot, you know, where they have some one or two people at the entrance really counting people and, you know, ensuring that all the processes are running smoothly. While at the same time, there's technology to do that. And I think the value proposition of that has just gotten so much stronger because people understand now also more and more that most of the things we're talking about in, in building automation, it's not a luxury, it's not a nice to have, but it can really save lives and and de-risk operations and really create value there. And, and so I see the the pace picking up quite a bit in terms of also the digital maturity we encounter in the market.
2: Yeah, that's that's very inspiring, actually. And um, yeah, also to just see the bright side of such an actually negative situation and just like also realizing that we have to keep up the pace. In preparation for this interview, I I was on your LinkedIn profile and then I found a very interesting quote and you, you said there that, uh, you used to think that you needed to be at the very high ranks in a corporation or the general of an army to really make something happen and to really make a change. But the only thing you truly need is to start a movement. I think it sounds very insightful. But what do you really mean by that?
0: Well, I think I'm just thinking. You know, where did this all all start? but i always felt like yes you had to to get the approval you know of your manager or your manager's manager in order to get, to get something done and and that was honestly something that was super frustrating for me because it felt like you know you're having this great idea and and you have this gut feeling yes this is exactly what we need and and exactly what we need to do and and where we need to take a certain topic for example and then what basically happens is, you know, you start running and you're super excited and you basically hit the wall might be the case, right? Because maybe somebody else isn't that excited about it or just also doesn't have, you know, the knowledge and expertise in that specific area to really um, understand and be able to to make an informed decision whether or not that makes sense. And What we figured out, you know, in the whole area of customer-centric innovation, we needed to create a different organizational context and environment for us to be able to do that and and also for the teams and product managers and R&D to really to be able to to get close to our customer, which means we basically needed to start rethinking how does our organizational system work. And, you know, a big part of um, that is, is taking ownership. And you know what I figured out, and I think you mentioned it before, Arbery, um, You know, a year ago, roughly um, in our tsuk headquarters, we opened our innovation space, Spark. And you know, the the coolest reactions we got when when opening was on the one hand, first of all, people and saying we never thought this would have been possible. And you know, the the second reaction was about the the way the the space actually looks like and feels like where i got a lot of questions of people you know kind of observing the construction work that was done on the space from afar and saying oh well you know this won't be opening for a long long time because it has kind of this this tool shop kind of feel Um, we have a lot of wood paneling and stuff which is very different than the traditional look and feel of our office and you know, that was quite surprising and all of what we did there was only possible because we started a movement, right? We recognized in the organization, we have project teams, um, especially in the area of, of, let's say, more really radical and disruptive innovation that do things differently and that really needed dedicated spaces for a certain amount of time and they are working in a very different manner with less hierarchies in their team and really take decision-making on team level, and so we just recognized there is a need in the organization. And that's what I mean by starting a movement, right? So we really went back to, to leveraging reality as a reference of what is it that we as an organization need? How can it fit into the, the overall transformation that we're currently undergoing and then driving it forward? And so it was really an initiative that kind of grew grew bottom up and was then in the end a CEO level initiative.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned already, right? this the spark. Um, you were the driver of the spark um, innovation space. Can you share a couple of, you know, what kind of innovative aspects went out and uh, how? It ain't that easy, right? If you if you work in an existing company and it's like, okay, here is a space, here is a platform that you can leverage, make use of that, right? Collaborate, be innovative, right? This is obviously maybe sometimes also wishful thinking, right? How do you get a buy in from people, and can you spin a couple of you know best practices sharings that you have that went out? That is. Yeah, sure. I think one big part was
0: already, you know, involving people from the get-go. So really designing the space around people and, and their needs. What I just, um, you know, mentioned also with, with the project teams, for example. And I think also there, um, actually, the space design plays quite a, a big role, right? If you're creating such a, you know, super polished space, then no one dares touch it. And and with that, you're, you're limiting people's creativity and also their, you know, willpower and courage to actually, you know, shape something and change something around it but I think what we invested heavily then once the space was done and and we kind of had had set these these kind of building blocks as a foundation was we invested a lot into skill building and community management so really finding ways for people to kind of come into the space and interact with the space so for example we provided kind of crash courses where for two hour sessions we found someone in the organization that had a specific skill to share for example around low-resolution prototyping or how to set up and facilitate a design sprint. So really kind of new types and, and modes of working with teams and invited people in kind of to share that knowledge. And with that, people also understood, hey, I mean, if I have something, I can contribute to that as well. You know, I don't just have to be the one, you know, listening in and taking all this with me and benefiting, but I can I can also give back. We started having so-called uh, knowledge-sharing session. Uh, they're called Buildings and Friends um you know where um every two week we found a speaker inside or outside the organization to kind of bring new impulses in um and for people to just you know come have a drink uh, together, or just you know, an, an informal chat, and and really bring a new topic that we can start to also have a very different culture of communication and and conversation, and critical discourse around it. You know, not just the one I'm presenting and and you're judging me for whatever you're seeing and hearing, but really the the one that's driven by 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 interest.
2: So we talked a lot about innovation, about the innovation space, and which impact it has. What would you say are the reasons why most corporate innovation programs actually fail?
0: I think, like for me, many of the things that I'm seeing in the world, I would probably call it innovation theater. I don't really see it as, or a lot of those, um, as honest efforts in re- really creating a sustained corporate DNA of of innovation. And that's what it's about, right? It's about a sustainable effort and making that, that part of our corporate D- DNA, the way we do things, the way we tick, um, you know, always putting customer first and stretching our um, our comfort zone and, and diving into new areas. And I think many organizations have kind of just subconsciously, I don't even think it was a conscious decision, taken kind of incremental innovation of, you know, that's how we do things around here. And so if you ask for, for reasons why I feel that many of those initiatives and programs fail is because I don't think there is a clear innovation strategy behind. I think that would be one. And, you know, just to, to illustrate a bit of what do I mean by that, you know, it starts with the question of what do we understand with the word innovation? And, you know, research and and, and literature is quite clear on that, you know, that there isn't just this one innovation. I mean, there's different types depending on how far you stretch it on the technological side and or the business model side, right? So, you know, get clear on what is it we mean when we talk innovation in our organizational context and make a conscious decision in, in which areas do we want to invest in.
1: So it's... um we have a similar aspect, right? So on, on the one side, we, we want to advance technology, right? Pushing, you know, the boundaries of what a technology can do. On the other side, obviously, you know, we also collaborated in the Siemens AI Lab are, with the former team, I guess, right? Um, on on the aspects, how do we make, you know, design thinking, lean methodologies, you know, starting a customer journey, identifying pains and gains, felici- facilitating with structured canvassing, and so on, right? So that that is for most techie geeks, right? You say, what? I, I want to, you know, I want to explore. <laughs> The capabilities of technology, right? Um, and yeah. you know, but and, and that seems to be a, a downer, <laughs> let's say, right, for AI or machine learning gigs. it's like, no, I want to, you know, uh, uh, don't you understand, right? This is so so awesome, right, to explore. Uh-huh. And, and on the other side, we, you know, there's this, there's this vital aspect of you know customer centric innovation, and I guess. You know, design thinking and lean methodologies are still the way to go, right? And it's it's still Im- important in the same uh, same you know, in also in the domain of industrial AI to use these kinds of processes. Maybe ca- can you share some of the best practices? How to how do you facilitate so, such high performance teams or so techies best? How do you <laughs> you know how, you, uh, how do you uh, shape them? You know?
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, probably it's not that black and white, but but you're right, right? I think it's really about bringing uh, the both of, of all worlds together and that what, what really makes a successful team, right? That you have different people, a diverse set of people from different disciplines uh, with different mindsets coming to the table to really drive something forward. So it, it is probably definitely also about, you know, creating space and, and also maybe fostering a little bit that creative friction, I might say. So I think that's really one aspect of, of you know a high performance team, of you know really putting value and and strengthening strength of the the different people as compared to you know expecting everyone to get to a, a similar level of let's say technical expertise and and business modeling skills um, and and customer know how right I think it's really about bringing the best out of all worlds um, together. I think second aspect is really around creating a shared team purpose and then that for that team purpose and and the strategic objective of, you know, what is it we're trying to achieve and why also does it make sense from a business point of view to really give the decision-making power into the team? Because right they will be the experts. They more that they dive into the topic, they know exactly what's what's possible, what's feasible, what's desirable from a from a people point of view and, and also possible um, and viable in, in terms of a business model. So I think really then the core entity of organization needs to be the team. And I think then the last point is really um, what you mentioned around, you know, those, those lean and design thinking methodologies, which, I, by the way, I think are timeless. I think, you know, putting your customer first and, and generally people first is, is always the way to go. And you can't go wrong with that. I think the third aspect
2: is. Um, so you just mentioned that design and lean methodologies are timeless. Do you have any recommendations maybe for the audience out there? Who want to get started with those methodologies? Are there some good papers or YouTube videos or online courses that they could uh, watch or look at?
0: Um, yeah, most definitely. I think there's a wealth of uh, material out there. You know, there are certain books, for example, Change by Design, by by Tim Brown, or the Design Thinking Playbooks. I think you can also find a lot on on YouTube and there's definitely also a couple of courses out there. One platform that I personally like when it comes to online learning is the Interaction Design Foundation. They've quite a cool concept of, you know, you buy kind of a yearly membership and can take as many classes as you'd like including design thinking, user experience, user research and the likes. Um, I think it's quite a cool concept and that's really helpful, but I think ultimately it's it's about learning by doing. Yes, you know, start diving into the fundamentals and understand the basics around the process, the underlying principles, and, you know, also the the tool set that you have available. But then I think it, it... very fast is really about applying it and practice and really understanding. So what does it mean standing out there with a the customer and doing an observation? And then how do you start working with the data and, and generate insights out of it and you know, there, I mean, you have various opportunities if you don't have any corporate projects that you feel like, yes, I can join in and, and learn from that. I think there's a lot of opportunities and also, you know, more socially driven um, initiative of, of, let's say, also those, those type of kind of impact weeks for design thinking, where you can apply as as a participant or possibly at some point even coach to really get into the doing. And when it then comes to that, you're thinking about, okay, how can I, implement those processes, technologies, principles, and mindsets in our organization, I think the only recommendation I can give is, you know, don't bring in the different approaches. You know, in our organization, I recognized when I arrived, they're undergoing the whole kind of agile transformation with with agile development um, and really those fast, iterative cycles of, of prototyping, testing, uh, learning. And, you know, then I was coming in with this whole <laughs> shebang of, of lean startup and design thinking methodologies. And I found, you know, it was confusing to people. They Okay, now I just understood this, this whole agile and now I need to learn design thinking before I can apply it. And that's really not about. So what we did is we kind of phrased it all under the umbrella of, of value creation, well, that's that's ultimately the goal, right? I mean, we want to create something valuable for someone and then basically really provided kind of the, the thought, leadership and mindset to people. And we're starting to bring that in, into the teams and, and how we work on a day-to-day basis. And then just basically offering them the whole toolkit mixed out of all the different approaches.
1: Uh, so we need to talk about ai at smart infrastructure right what what role plays ai at, at smart infrastructure and um, are there any any cases you're really excited about and you want to share here
0: Yes, I mean, there's definitely a few cases I'm, I'm quite excited about, you know, so one comes when you look towards use cases and also new use cases emerging through these technologies, you know, of how we can manage required energy loads um, in buildings, right, with, you know, not only people then, you know, living or working in this building, having a certain energy demand, but also now with kind of e-mobility coming in and and fast charging of of how can we manage that? And I think that's just a few things that you know just haven't been possible before of kind of the building also moving more and more into a kind of self-adaptive mode in a way. The other thing that I'm really excited about, and I think you mentioned it in the introduction, that for me, it's all about dehumanizing technology, is that Through these new technologies, we can now give control back to people in their environment and really create an interface to the building and and the different building technology systems for them to also react based on people's feelings and perceptions. And that's just something, you know, this is a total shift from uh, the way uh, where this industry is, is historically coming from and i think here uh, really new technologies and also specifically artificial intelligence is playing a huge role or i mean just consider the the project that we're working on together with with you guys on really the synth- synthetic uh, ambient sensors right inferring data from from the environment that is so much uh, less intrusive um, or obtrusive than we know in in the past and so I think also now, now more and more it becomes, we get this opportunity to also really create value out of data, to to create meaningful experiences.
2: Um, you were just emphasizing the aspect of humanizing technology. What do you actually mean by that? And what is the role of human in AI? Do you think um, AI is rather the problem or is it the, the opportunity? I think I think
0: AI is, is definitely an opportunity and like with all technologies right we need to gain an understanding of you know what is the potential and and where can we de- take this and where can we create meaningful value and create new experiences for people and kind of redefine how how things work in a in a certain way and like all of those right i think there's there's a balance that needs to be found on you know in how far does it create value and and where where does it maybe go a bit too much and and becomes too much and so the aspect of of humanizing technology is for me really you know when i started in this industry roughly 3 years ago we went to to talk to employees and tenants in various office buildings around the globe, you know, from really like super smart buildings to kind of normal, average type of office buildings. And especially in the super smart buildings, what people were basically telling us is that they feel as a slave towards technology. They really felt like what with everything they're doing is they're continuously feeding this technology, these robots, but they weren't you know what is it that i'm getting out of that? You know people were really, really overwhelmed the the interaction you know wasn't meaningful it wasn't easy to use it it wasn't intuitive, and I think that's really where this aspect of humanizing technology comes in right It needs to serve the people and not the other way around it it can 't have kind of this this kind of, uh, in German you'd say, selbstzweck. Um, it really needs about, once again, you know, solving a relevant problem for someone and changing something for the better. And otherwise, maybe the, the old solution is just, just fine. <laughs>
2: Franziska, thank you so much for your positive outlook here at the end. I think we could really talk to you for hours, but we're already at the end of this interview. And this is why I wanted to start with our closing game. And it's very, very simple. So I will just give you a couple of sentence starters and uh, you will just finish them with one word or one sentence maximum. So Siemens is... Siemens is diverse.
0: Innovation is? Innovation is growth. Actually, I think the, the only way for an organization to kind of grow, develop itself, and uh, with that, at the end of the day, to, to survive.
2: Yeah, I really like that. My optimism comes from? <laughs>
0: uh, good question. <laughs> Loving what I do and, you know, being able to, to have impact in really creating our future.
2: That's beautiful. The person that inspires me the most is? I would say
0: my partner, honestly, because he never stops learning and working on himself, uh, wanting to become better. And I think that's that's a huge inspiration to me.
2: My favorite TEDx talk is?
0: My favorite TEDx talk is the one on the power of vulnerability by Brene Brown just because i really think if i can't be myself at work i'm you know suppressing my my ex- expressiveness and creativity and so i think uh, we really need to do better in creating workplace environments where people can be themselves so we really can thrive forward with with motivation with power and and purpose
1: Franci, merci, vielmal, wie man sagt, for being, uh, you know, a colleague and being the guest of the session. Right, uh, it was, it is a really pl- pleasure to talk to you and have this conversation with you. And folks out there, stay tuned. There is so much to come. Stay bold, committed, open-minded, and hear you at the next Siemens Eola podcast. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you, guys. It was such a pleasure.